What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. We're here coming to you not live from the Gas Digital Studios. I just did the legendary St. Mark's, under St. Mark's Comedy Festival with Mike Lemmy, and I had a good old time. Uh, we've got Yosef calling in. It's his birthday. He's out in White Plains. He's celebrating hard. He's, uh, you know, getting getting all drunk, eating sandwiches. So we're going to get some uh, insights from him. But before I have him on the show, uh, I want to I want to get into some politics. I want to rattle off some of the news stories that happened this week. Um, Harrington, before we get into politics, first say I'd like to welcome you to the show. You're you're you've become the most loyal soldier to the Run Your Mouth Institution, and I want to take this moment to say that I appreciate having you here. Buddy, it's uh, it's not an army; it's a movement, uh, and I am the I'm I'm proud to be the first lieutenant of said movement. We are gonna we're, we're taking over, buddy. Yeah, and we got to figure out because I, I did a uh, podcast last week, which was really good uh, with the guys from the Heartland Institute. But I ended up calling into my own show because I couldn't find the wire to. I went out and I bought myself an expensive mic so that I could record from home. And within one week, I, I lost the wire. I'm still a second grader. I this lost is... the, one week. I lost the wire. Now I have, and I, there's no way I'm ever going to go online and find the specific wire that I need for the Yeti microphone. But you could 100% go online and find the specific wire that you need. I'm your producer. Tell me what the microphone is and I'll find the wire for you. You know what? This might be an off-air conversation and an easy solution. So that's good to know. Hopefully, I'll have my Yeti microphone back up and running so but when i when i recorded it i thought hey this audio is going to be fine and then i listened back to it i was like man this is really weird to have called into my own show but it was it was a great episode all right well you know i uh, i do have the uh, i do have the audio sitting in my gmail drive and i promised you that i would get around to editing that as soon as humanly possible so how about tomorrow i'll come in early and i will bang that out uh get that sounding as good as humanly possible even well, though already, you are calling to your own show it's already up but we can swap it out okay all right good enough okay so let's get into some of the politics here before um, we yes. do that okay i have an i have like a much greater like politics are great, Robbie. You have you are a man who sticks to your convictions one hundred percent when it comes to you know libertarianism and anarcho capitalism and all the all the very important things that you I think do. about. However, you do not stand by your word when it comes to lifetime <laughs> uh, boycotting <laughs> of a certain institution. I was just stuffing my face and mid bite into one of the most delicious sandwiches I've ever had. I had to ask you what. Bodega was this from? In fact, sir, it was not just any bodega. It wasn't a bodega at all. It was a full-fledged deli. You're back at Sunny and Annie's. Congratulations <laughs> on letting the hate out of your heart. Is this is the first step of you there's being just slightly less petty, Robbie Bernstein? Eric, their sandwiches were just too good. You know, <laughs> I thought I was done with it. I thought I was going to stick to my ban, and I did. I mean, seven full months, I stuck to that ban. You know what? You know what broke the ban? It was two things. One is like any relationship. You know, you're done with some chick, and then you're really hammered late at night, and they're they're also awake, <sighs> and so you stop in. You sent the one a.m. text to Sunny and Annie's. No, it was like a two a.m. text when I was. And I was like, I just need. And then I, I, right away, you know, right away when you hop back into bed with that chick that you're really in love with, you're like, that's why, <sighs> that's why There's it was a this it good. Hurt so much in the first place. But however, that was that was like, uh, I want to say that was like a month and a half ago. But I still, I stuck to the ban. What finally, what finally gave is I, I just went through uh, another breakup with the LOL Comedy Club. 
And I just I needed something to fill that hole, Harrington. For, I needed something uh, to get me through that. Bra- that was a ten-year relationship. The Times Square unpaid check spot king retiring <laughs> my jersey. Back to eating at Sunny and Annie's. That relationship's back up and going. It's I've for already sure eaten Sunny and Annie's. What? what they are not the. Uh, they're not the enemies of the Shiite Muslims, right? It's Sunny I don't know, and they, Annie. They're too Asian for it to be Sunny and Annie's. It's got to be. It's Sunni and Annie's. That's no. They, that would be like Soon Yi and Annie's. All right, that's a fair point. <laughs> Sonny and Annie's. Yeah, dude, they're Americanized as all hell. You were just talking about that for the. Uh, thing. Yeah, that lady got herself some great teeth. Hell yeah, dude. I, I'm still going with Sunni and Annie's. That's what it is in my head. Mm. Case settled. All right, moving <laughs> on into the politics. Before I delve into the politics, we do have a number of news stories. Uh, Harrington, anything that you wanted to get off your chest? How is the? Are you still moving to Massachusetts? How's how's finding a a, a, re, a permanent residence? I've given the update of uh, of what's going on with me. Do you have them? If it's not chipper, then we can skip it. I feel like we've given the fans <laughs> too much bad news, except that we're bearing our our, our 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 shame and good sandwiches. Do you have anything uplifting for the people out there? Uh, well, the. All right, the guy didn't get back to me in Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, I'm going to keep sending him emails. But he smokes weed, so he might, you know, it, like if you get a follow-up call two weeks from now, you'll get a call at the end of winter being like, hey, man, we're, like, aren't you going to come up here for the winter? <laughs> <laughs> it's spring now. Yeah. Um, I think, here's the thing, I really do think the better route to be taking would be to do exactly what you have talked about for the last two winters with me and just set up a network of ski resorts that we can just take a traveling road show to. Um, you know, so, and then maybe go back there in the spring, uh, when it's a little bit warmer out and shack life might not be that bad. Um, you know, and then just go out there, take the rolling mower to it get, uh, get everything all, you know, ready to go and turn it into the sickest campground on the East coast. Are you thinking about putting together a ski tour? Yeah, dude. I want, I want in. That's been a dream of mine. Yeah, obviously. Now that you have a car, we can actually do this. Yeah, I, I really uh, I love skiing. I love doing comedy. Yeah. And also, I know that there's a captive audience and that there's absolutely nothing to do at night after a day of skiing. If anyone's skiing, they have money. And then here's the best part about skiers. They're my kind of people. That, like, that's one of the things about doing stand-up comedy. You get in front of uh, like... People that so don't see life in the same way as you do, and you got to kind of win them over to your point of view. You get me in fr- up in front of a room full of skiers. Those are my people, dude. I, w- I want to build that crowd. You can, I wa- talk, you can talk skier? Oh, I can talk. It's not skier. It's just druggy white kids that uh, also like have an outdoors attitude. That's it. it in- instant connection. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, people got their, uh, their Eskimo brothers. You bang the same chick. So you kind of know you got a similar vibe. You can pull down like a similar. It's the same thing with the ski mountain. We've all fucked the ski mountain. Okay. We're all in love with the same thing. I like it, dude. So that's like your, your, like the, the league kind of made this famous. Like Taco would just get by being Eskimo brothers with everybody. Like exactly. once you guys have shredded some narnar, it's like, all right, cool. We're fucking, you know. We all share that mountain love. I love it. All right, fair enough. So first thing I want to talk about is Elizabeth Warren's healthcare plan. And Harrington is a guy who almost reads... Why don't you give us your take? It was big in the news this week. Give us your uh, your one minute. What what is the layman's uh, takeaway from the Elizabeth Warren healthcare plan? All right. So as far as I understand it, it is um, you know all of the free healthcare for all of the people, and it's only going to cost eleven trillion dollars, and uh, we have no idea where that money's coming from. All right. You see. And that right there is why this thing is never going to work, because <laughs> she couldn't sell it, and I'm going to break down why she couldn't sell it. Okay. Okay, so first is, I threw out this joke, which was, she was saying this line over and over, 
Um, that's right. We don't need to raise taxes on the middle class by one penny. She kept saying that. We're not going to have to raise it by one penny. It's going to be a million pennies. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> it is 100% when you were a kid and someone said, oh, it's a million dollars. I bet a million dollars. <laughs> what? Th- there's no reason for her to specifically keep saying not by one penny. And it's because, yeah, she's not going to raise it by one penny. She's going to raise it by 95% of what your income was and go, well, that's what it takes for us to have health insurance, but health insurance is important. All right. So here is why she went and she fucked up. When it comes to politics, you never want to give the details. You're selling magic sauce. I can't do this as a sales guy. People want to know the specifics. I'll get into the weeds, but they say it's you don't want to open up a can of worms. And Trump did it the best. They asked him, hey, you're never going to pay for the wall. And so he doubled down and he said, well, Mexico is going to pay for the wall. He never once gave the details. And guess what? He still hasn't built us a wall and no one's that upset with him about it. They still go, hey, he's my best option in terms of dealing with this, uh, dealing with the fact that there are people coming into this country and it's shifting the demographics of what I'm looking for. Not yes. only that, it's like, he might build that wall someday. He might. He still might. <laughs> it might happen. And it's, it's because he has yet to sit down and go, here's the numbers for why this will never work. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren, she blinked. That's what happens. You go out there and you're selling. And you go, I can solve this. I can solve this. I can solve this. And people go, how? 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 And you go, well, I just will. And if you can just play that confidence game so well where you just go, I just will because I'm me and because people like me get things done. But how do I vote for that person? Well, that's the point. Once you blink and you go, here's how I'm going to do it, you're fucked in the political game. And I'm telling you, it's sales. It's all about just going, listen, I can do it. You just have to trust me. I can get it done. And everyone's going to say, how can you get it done? Those are the doubters. And guess what? When you go, well, let me give you the details. Now you're playing their game. You blinked. You're finished. So let's go into just how bad her health care plan was and why she failed to sell it. Okay, so first is... I think a lot of people are just nervous about, like, uh, even Obamacare. When Obamacare was sold, it was, hey, you know that thing that you, like, you already have? Or, you know that thing that most, like, other people have, but you can't, you can't get? So we figured out a way that we're going to make it affordable for everyone. But he wasn't saying, hey, there's going to be a totally new form of health care. He was saying, hey, that health care that's already working for a lot of people, but you just can't afford, I'm going to make it affordable. I feel like I'm losing you here. Sorry, what? Well, what's going on out there? What's all? What's all the case? There's a reason what, what I killed people? the. There's a reason I killed the mic. You were in the middle of a flow here. I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt. I, you. I want you on my side, Arrington. I'm 100 percent on your side, Robbie. Why do you? Why are you always questioning whether or not I'm on your side? <laughs> I'm your biggest supporter. I'm the only one here at 10:30 at night. Fucking Joseph Roberts will go all the way up to Massachusetts, but he can't make it across town. Fucking Joseph is probably hammered in a ditch somewhere. I'm here for you. Just accept it. All right. Well, it seemed like uh, you guys were uh, like addressing custodial needs or something while I was trying to explain the reason that Elizabeth Warren's health care plan won't work. Okay. So here's the other thing. Trump is actually the less risky proposition because if Trump just makes any claims along the lines of here's what I'm going to do to improve health care, at least he's building off of something that you kind of somewhat know and trust. When Elizabeth Warren steps in and she goes, listen, anyone who has health care, you're not going to be able to have that version of this anymore. We're all going to have this government health care. That's scary to people. People don't know what does government health care really look like. 
And now here's where government has somewhat shot itself in, in the foot in terms of being able to sell us on, yes, I would like government to have more influence over stuff. And that's in most of the cases, when we interact with public institutions, when we interact with the law, it's not a positive experience. If you ever had to go to the DMV to get yourself a license, it is not a fun experience. You don't go in there and go, hey, I'm really happy that government's running this. They've got the government does this well. You know what I, you know what I mean here? Like you do not walk out of the DMV going, wow, the government's really good at this. This is a really efficient experience and I trust that I should be going here for the rest of my life for all of my needs. Yeah, like this is exactly the kind of people that I want dealing with my healthcare. When you deal with cops, no one no one's like, "Yay, I'm so happy there are cops in my neighborhood." Like, you'd almost rather deal with a little bit of crime. Well, at least if you're a drinker. I'm mostly thinking about the fear of getting pulled over for drunk driving and (laughs) ruining your life. But most of us do drink and we drive a little bit. But I think you guys understand what I'm saying. Government hasn't really sold us on, hey, I want them to have full control over some of these things. And so Elizabeth Warren coming around and saying, hey, we're going to totally change the way that this is done. And it's going to be under government control. I don't think that really appeals to people. So now I want to get into some of the um, like specific things that she was saying, because I actually read her uh, whole uh, document. Um, so I just want to read some of like the claims that she made and kind of break, break them down. Serious candidates for president should speak plainly about these issues and set out their plans for cost control, especially those who are skeptical of Medicare for all, because whether or not we make modest or uh, transformative changes to our healthcare system, uh, cancer, diabetes, strokes, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's aren't going to simply disappear without leadership. So I just want to read the first part of this again. Serious candidates for president should speak plainly about these issues and set out their plans for cost control. Okay. And then she goes on to explain (laughs) how her plan is going to work. Under the first year of Medicare for All, all employers would then take the average cost, adjusted upwards to account for the overall increase in national health care spending, and multiply it by their total number of employees that year. The employer, Their employer medical contribution would be the 90%, 98% of that amount, ensuring that every company paying for health care today will pay less than they would have if they were still offering their employees comparable private insurance. Now, I'm a reasonably intelligent individual. Mike Harrington, you have the face of a bookie and you're artistically good at math. Did any of that paragraph make sense to you? Absolutely not, buddy. No, me neither. And I've read it three times to be like, what is she saying here? So here's her clear and concise plan. Mrs. Anyone who's running needs to put forth a clear and concise plan. This is like a fucking Monty Python joke of if I sat down to try and write what wasn't a concise plan, I wouldn't have come up with something that read as goofy as this. I'm going to read it again. You ready? Under the first year of Medicare for all, employers would then take the average cost, adjust it upwards to account for the overall increase in national health care spending, and multiply it by their total number of employees that year their employee medicare contribution would be 98 percent of that amount i don't know maybe maybe someone with a better math mind can follow the formula i think what they're saying is um we're gonna jack rates all the way up and the middle class americans aren't gonna pay for it it's gonna be all the small businesses that are gonna pay for it because Uh, they are going to so it's like if you have 10 employees right we're going to say you know we need to up what you have for medical coverage for this employee and then we're going to increase it exponentially to cover 
cost for the rest of the country, and then we're going to multiply that by ten employees because fuck you. You see, you lost you lost me. Also, it's (laughs) this plan is insane. Okay, so now here's a scary other part of her plan. You read through her plan, and part of what she says is, in order to pay for this, we're going to need more forced enforcement. Let me read it. Part of her plan is substantially increased funding for the IRS, including the Criminal Investigation Division. This Treasury Department estimated in the fiscal year 2017 budget request that every $1 invested in IRS enforcement brings in nearly six in additional revenue. So part of her plan is we're going to give more money to the IRS so they can hire people to go after us and make sure that we're really all paying more in taxes. How scary is that? Dude, I mean, it sounds like I could just go get a job at the IRS. I don't have to worry about any of this. <laughs> yeah, anymore. well then, well, buddy, if you should just get yourself a job. <laughs> no, what I'm saying, check it, right? I yeah. can take my skills that I already have, being like a person who leans on other people for money, being like, oh, you'll be like, I'm a mooch. So let me let me show you how to get more out of these people. Doggy. No one's better at sucking resources out of individuals than I am. Like, like, Why listen, am I not yeah, working for the IRS? Yeah, you'd be like, listen, IRS, you guys are looking at this all wrong. Instead of they don't. Have have any more money that you can take from them but you're looking for housing from the homeless why not just put them on their couches they have couches i know they all have a couch available they might not have more money that you can take from them but they got food in their fridge have you gone into their food their fridge and taken their food <laughs> and slept on their couches well then there's more than we can be taken from these people just sandwich frankly taxes. i don't think they're being hospitable that's what i think the issue is all these people they've paid their taxes now they think they can just have their house their own fridge and their own couch i don't think so no you have clean towels in there people need showers <laughs> <laughs> this is a terrible distribution of resources when people like me are out on the streets and don't have their walls between me and the resources <laughs> I need. Listen, these people are sleeping all night. They won't even know that I'm on their couch and using their showers. Tear down those walls. <laughs> <laughs> and then later she goes on to say, I'm asking billionaires to pitch in six cents of every dollar, which I love. It's like, just pitch in. You know, it's not like we're going to hire more IRS people to forcibly take it from you. We just want the billionaires to pitch in a little bit more. So here's one more element that I just want to point to in terms of her plan. So I read through it, and she does have some good criticisms of the current healthcare system. So one is that the cost of some procedures here and in other countries are like drastically different. I think one of her examples was uh, CAT scans and heart surgery. Like some things that we pay, like, you know, 25 grand for here might cost you two or three grand in another country. So that's fair. I agree with you 100%. There's something strange going on here. There's nothing strange. It's just the push and pull for years of the established system of the private insurance company going to the hospital saying uh, it's priced at $25,000, but the hospital's only getting like four grand. Yeah, which is the weirdest thing that like... If me as a private individual who doesn't have insurance needs to be spending like, yeah, there's something screw with the pricing. But I just want to go through. There are some criticisms that she has of the healthcare system that's legitimate. So the first is that pricing is out of whack. The next is that there's crazy administrative costs, which is true. There's an insane billions of dollars being spent basically on just the administrative costs. Um, then you have insurance people, insurance companies have high profits. And then what you were saying, which is everyone is paying different amounts. So now here's why. She's fucked. And I think, by the way, she, I think because beyond the fucking Pocahontas thing and her being a little bit unlikable, I think this healthcare thing completely shot her in the foot of possibly winning the election because this is a big part of what she's running on. And here's the biggest problem. 
there are definite problems with our health care and offering health care to Americans is a is definitely a free good that will get you elected. It's a big part of what got Obama elected is saying, hey, here's a free good I'm going to give you guys if you vote for me. But she rolled out this plan and we only everyone needs health care. There are major flaws in the system. She rolled out the plan and nobody's excited for it. Nobody looked at her plan and said, hey, I think she fixed this problem. Nobody. And so this is even from the slate slate. I never read slate. I'm pretty sure that they're ultra liberal. But here's even what they said about her plan. Um, firstly, I think the article was later. Here's why uh, her plan isn't fair. But the first line was one, as I wrote Friday, it is that its budget assumptions might not be very realistic. So even the people on the far left who are never bringing up, hey, we have to pay for things and like they're very socialist and like, hey, government can provide this for people. Even they are like, hey, this plan is unrealistic. Then another deeper issue, which a number of writers, not to mention Warren's primary rival, Bernie Sanders, have pointed out, it's that the centerpiece of her proposal is fundamentally unfair to many businesses and workers. It's specifically a raw deal for companies that already offer their employees generous insurance. Same as well as for low-wage workers who would somewhat indirectly shoulder a disproportionate share of the burden from the tax scheme she has concocted. So in other words, even on the people on the far left, they're not excited about this. And I got some sales rules for you. Harrington, you like sales rules. You ready for this? Love some sales rules. All right, here's the first one. Time kills deals. That's number one. Number two is it's easiest to close people on the first call. Now, here's, sure. the, here's the concept. When you first present something to someone... What you need to close a deal is for... What? I'm listening to you. Did Listen he... to every word. <laughs> Alex is looking at me like, why did he just rape my hand by making me grab his tail? Oh, dude, it was hot. Okay. It's easiest to close things on a first call because sales is a transfer of energy. I'm excited about something, and so here, I'm going to share my excitement with you. Hopefully, I can get you as enthusiastic about this as I am, and then now we've got a sale. She's trying to sell her idea here. She just put out her presentation about what's one of the biggest issues facing our country, and nobody's buying it. Nobody goes, oh, she sat down and she's come up with a reasonable solution, the sale of her trying to convince us that this is a good approach will only get harder as time goes on. This was her biggest and best opportunity to go, here's my presentation, and for people to go, hey, that sounds interesting. She's already lost. The fact that she put it forward now and nobody's excited about it, she's not going to convert people. There's no follow-up game in this kind of a sale that it's going to start settling into people's minds and they're going to go, hey, this is interesting. If anything, we're going to have more time to kind of get into the weeds and look at the details and to get reinforced on the, uh, on the fact that nobody can ever pay for it. So I'm just telling you from the fact that Generally speaking, everyone actually understands, hey, we can't pay for this. Hey, I don't want government to take away my health care. I don't want to have to only be on a government option. I don't believe that my taxes aren't going to go up. Nobody's buying it. She's made this the signature like part of what she's running on. And so I'm saying it right now, Mr. Harrington, I think she's finished. Isn't she like still second in the polls, though? I think she's only going to drop from here. I thought, like, I really thought she was, I, I think... Uh, I think she was pulling ahead, and I think based off of this blunder of her trying to put out the details of her plan, I think it's actually unlikely that she'll take the uh, the Democratic nomination. Uh, what about, though, like you were saying the concept of like Obamacare, right? Like, yeah. I'm not going to tell you any details. I'm just telling you that everybody's going to have health care, right? And that's all he ran on. That's all he understood as a broke 
uh, at the time, I think, 20-year-old who had no health insurance. That sounded fucking awesome to me. But now, it, went, it went beyond that because he didn't say you're going to get government health care. He said, hey, that health care that everyone has, that's great. I'm going to get it for you. Okay. Um, the flip side of it, though, to me, like you said, like the only one who has anything like that that they're offering that I don't understand how it's possible, but I want it more than anything in the world, Yang Gang, baby. Oh, the $1,000. Uh, just give me those Yang <laughs> just, bucks, dude. Just give me a fucking... Dude, give I'm, me those dumb. Yang bucks. I'm dumb as shit, right? Yeah. All I understand is that right now, I don't have $1,000 a month coming in. If I did, I could probably have a house. So Yang, hook it up. Like, that's as simple as it is. Like, yo, for my vote, that's where it's going. Because he's the only one who's coming out and saying, yo, I'll give you a G-Stack. Yeah, and what's funny about the... the, the Everyone's trying to buy votes. Everyone's trying to appeal to a specific demographic and get them to vote for them. Sometimes on the Republican side, it's as simple as, hey, we're going to give you back a little bit more of your money. And on the on the Democratic side, it's, hey, we're going to get you we're, uh, we're going to get you this uh, get you group of people. Guys. Yeah, we're going to get you some free stuff. We're going to get you the health care. What's funny about this thousand dollar a month is everyone just goes. Now nah, that sounds that sounds a little too direct. It's almost like when uh, I, you know, I, I'm past this in life. But it used to be when your relatives would like first they tried giving you gifts, then they realized they always gave you shitty gifts, and you never liked it. So then they gave you gift cards, and then at some point they gave up and just said, ah, "I'll just give you the cash." But there's something like even so, there's something le- uh, there's something that's not as gift givey about being handed cash, even though we all appreciate it a little more. There's something that erodes like that flavor of hey, I'm giving you a gift. I think it's the same thing in terms of the government just handing, not for you. I'm not talking about homeless Mike Harrington, well, who needs nothing more than $1,000 in his pocket and doesn't care what the ramifications are and just goes, give me that fucking $1,000. I'm talking about most people can just understand that for government to just go, hey, here's $1,000 and start giving it to people, they're like, ah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Couldn't care less. Give me that G-Stack. Yeah, fair enough. The other big news story here was that we have Big Daddy's death. They took the guy down, and then the group's new spokesperson announced that Big Daddy's successor is a man named Abu Ibrahim El-Asimi Al-Karay. There's no way I got that right. I'm going to try it again, and I'm not, you know, you almost need a Sesame Street guy on how you can pronounce these names. Abu Ibrahim Al-Hasimi Al-Karayashi. That sounds like a Mexican, di- no, like a Chinese dish at the end. Al Koryashi. And if I was like that dude, I'd be like, no, no, I'm number two. I'm not, I'm not the number one guy. Can you put someone else in charge? I would think right after like the number one guy got killed, you wouldn't show up the, like the next day and be like, all right, here's the new guy that's in charge. You keep that under wraps. Oh, fuck that. They can't get us all. Oh, you, okay. Maybe. Now. If I'm leading a terrorist organization, I am. If you're the number two guy in a terrorist organization, that has to be the happiest day of your life. You're like, now I'm number one? I think, no, yeah, I think it's scary. Nah. I think you're like, I don't want to be in charge of this. I like being number two. Okay. Dude, if they were going to take me out, it would have been a coordinated strike where they would have taken out the top five heads all at once, right? Now I get my time in the sun. Finally, people are going to see that my big ideas have been fucking what, what's, what's going to drive this movement forward. And this asshole's just been holding me back. I'm glad he got eaten to death by dogs. 
All right, so McKenzie, I think he was like the general in charge of this mission. He offered fresh details on the operation against Baghdadi and warned that U.S. officials are bracing for some form of retribution. We're on no illusion that ISIS is going to go away just because we killed Baghdadi, McKenzie told reporters at a Wednesday briefing. And I got to say, I find this entire situation a little bit confusing considering Trump declared ISIS 100% defeated years ago. You know, it's just it's becoming a little hard to keep track of exactly what's going on there. Now, here was another fun statement by McKenzie. We believe that Baghdadi may have actually fired from his hole in his last minute. McKenzie said he cannot corroborate President Trump's description of Baghdadi whimpering and crying as he fled into the tunnel. And couldn't we just give Trump that? Like, did you really need to clarify that one? Like, just let Trump have this one. You know, like, Trump goes, hey, the guy went out crying, and then, well, actually, it was more Rambo-esque. He took out the majority of the team. He had some great uh, booby traps. We, he nearly got away, but one of our snipers luckily caught him. Like, just let, 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 let Trump have his crying and whimpering line. If anything, it makes the terrorists look bad. Aren't you in the business of trying to shame terrorists out of the game? No. Why, why do you got to build his story and go, hey, when it actually... The, the, the president was wrong. He went out swinging. He was pretty cool about it. It was Tony Montana style. He actually said the words, say hello to my little friend, shot six of our Navy SEALs, and then we shot him. But we were we all thought it was pretty cool. We're all like, all right, you got to give props to that guy. You killed the best man at my wedding, but goddamn, if you aren't a beautiful son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> so here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, a, no, they're not in the business of making Trump look like a badass. They're in the exact opposite business. These are the same motherfuckers who came out, or I'm sorry, making terrorists uh, seem unsympathetic. They're the same guys who came out and called him like a misunderstood religious scholar, or whatever the case may be in the Washington Post. Um, uh, on top of that, the only person who was injured, the only, sorry, the only combatant injured in the raid. Do you know who it is, Robbie Bernstein? Uh, it is a dog um, who the... Oh, that was the one that they were going to bring to to the White House or whatever? And the SEAL team would like to get him his own Purple Heart. And they're saying, no, we can't give a Purple Heart to a dog. And per former Purple Heart recipients are sending in letters to the president saying, give the fucking dog a medal. Yeah, I, I just... I, everything... The second I just saw, like, dog and story about dogs, I was like, unless they're going to make an Air Bud story type about it... <laughs> Well, like, see, here's what's fucking awesome and how you know that Trump is actually right because if okay. you were being chased down a hole with your children in tow and you were literally being hunted down by dogs, would you not be fucking crying as these dogs literally ripped you limb from limb? I'd fucking cry my eyes out. Obviously, any normal person would.